Welcome back to The Bunt, the number one podcast in skateboarding. Brought to you by the number one shoe in skateboarding. I be when got that scrap on you. What up, Alright, I'm a fault with you. Alright, bro. Vans. Off the wall since 1960. Motherfucking six. <laughs> Here we go again. We are the bunt. I'm D Jones. I got the ghost with me. As always, Ants one behind the scenes. It's a cool thing. Still. And this week, we got a serious heater on our hands. One of the nicest to ever do it. Ghost, let the people know. Big week in Studio E. Met this dude when I was 18 or 19. Nicest dude in the history of skating. None other than Carl Watson. Such a pleasure having him on the show. Great conversation with a great dude. And then we take y'all straight to the post office where mans are chirping me, coming at me, but it's all good. You know what I'm saying? We brush off them scrubs like twa. <laughs> no problem, baby. And then, yo, NBA trade deadline popped. It was entertaining as fuck. You know we breaking it down. Time for our shameless plug. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Bunt. Like us on Facebook at The Bunt Live. And get your emails and voice notes into The Bunt Live at gmail.com. And oh yeah, we got a website too. <laughs> TheBuntLive.com, baby. Check it out. Every episode you could ever wish for. Without further ado, shout out of the week. You got something fresh for us? I feel like it was a quiet week, man. You might have had a tough time. It's been quiet, man. Uh, like I said, that post Sodi Chase fucking era where people be dropping bogus shit or nothing at all. Uh, I'm gonna have to give it to the one and only Beagle and uh, the YouTube channel. Those boys started. I don't know if you've seen it, but they've got thousands of tapes and they're literally just taking tapes and putting the whole thing one at a time on YouTube. It's awesome. The last one that I watched today was uh, Antoine Dixon and Rami Issa no. skating around. And he does that nolly varial heel down a 10 stair. But just seeing Antoine Dixon behind the scenes in those days is insane. You got to watch it. If y'all out there haven't checked, the nostalgia is crazy. Having a great time watching these old VX tapes, man. And especially Antoine Dixon. It's just, it is a little bit sad. Yeah, just I just put a, a smile happened, on but, my face though. But man. it's, yeah, those going, back, going back to those days and just like seeing one of the most gifted dudes in his prime is special man so keep them coming loving it like we said this week we got carl watson in the building triple og as the ghost would note all the way from emb days still kicking it still running still gunning man what a pleasure yeah max allure skateboards adidas you know what i'm saying doing it big my first skateboard book skate legend let's get into it man but of course, I'm going to crack a couple green cans. You know what time it is. Steam Whistle, Canada's premium pilsner. The only buzz. We have Mr. Carl Watson in the building. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Thank you guys for having me. I'm, I'm honored. 
So we start every show off the same. Hit us with your favorite skate moment and your favorite sports moment. My personal favorite skate moment? Oh, yeah. Was when I saw Eric Costin do the backside nose blunt slide on Hubba Hideout. God damn. Wow. That's one for sure. It was amazing. I was, uh, we were walking up the hill and we saw Costin just sessioning. And uh, we had no idea what he's trying. We didn't know he was in town. And then out of nowhere, he's doing this like, he got into it so good, it looked like he was ollieing on top of the ledge and doing a front nose. It was it was beyond a, a back nose one. It was a front nose on top. That's what we kept saying. <laughs> and then he stuck it, and it was monumental. I mean, Costin, we owe a lot to that guy. He did some groundbreaking tricks when people weren't doing doing much in skating, like the Nolly Hill nose slide down a, down a huge handrail when people were posting doing ads of front Smiths down the same rail <laughs> in the same magazine. <laughs> Like he definitely took it there early on. So yeah, that that was my moment. And then what was Damn, the next that's question? That's a good one. Your favorite sports moment. I know favorite it was in uh last weekend. No. The 49ers getting rocked, but favorite sports <laughs> moment. Shit, that's a hard one. Dude, or last June when the Raptors gave it to the Warriors, you know. You know, I'm not I'm not, I'm not the biggest sports guy, but I, I I would have to say um definitely something that has to do with Michael Jordan. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I can't give any any specifics. His career as a whole, man. Just, just Jordan, yeah, period. Yeah, just Jordan. We'll take it. <laughs> it. Makes sense. So where'd you come up and how'd you get into skating? So I, I'm from the Bay Area. I was born in Oakland, raised in San Francisco. And uh, the way I got into skating was just uh, seeing it around me and, uh, you know, just seeing how it was a freedom of expression. And uh, when, once I started... I realized that there was there was no coach involved and it was all me pushing myself and that was very attractive to me and I, I just kept it going kept pushing myself until I learned how to ollie it took a year to learn how to ollie and then uh, then the rest is history <laughs> that's what's up so what was your first big break in the skate industry my first big break was when I met Nick Lockman that was um you know I had started skating and uh, Nick, when I met Nick, he introduced me to the world of skateboarding, to the culture of skateboarding. Then Nick introduced me to Sam Smythe. Then they both introduced me to EMB after I learned how to ollie. They waited. <laughs> they waited until I, until I was ready. And then once I was ready, you know, I went down there and I met James Kelch. I met all the, all the guys and they accepted me into the crew. And from, from then on, it was, uh, it was such a blessing to be... Uh, a part of that family you know and we mm-hmm. they took it really far henry sanchez mike curl they created a lot of tricks and uh so I, I learned from the best straight up that's what's up you mentioned it emb you're a triple og so you definitely were around in that first i mean they're skating it again now but uh you're around in that first emb era what was that like it was crazy because we didn't realize how groundbreaking it was at the time we were just skating i mean it was like a family a lot of people came from like all around the world so that that was the to me that was the best part of being at emb because i got to meet people from you know europe from you know asia from africa and and there was, there was one thing that brought us all together and that was skateboarding that was uh, our universal language and it's still like that that's awesome what was one of the craziest things you saw go down at emb in the early days shit man fights yeah <laughs> a, lo- a, lo- a lot of fights one in particular was when i saw like two of the top dogs two of the alpha males fight each other and that was scary because these are two two guys that nobody wanted to fuck with that in the crew mm-hmm. and um 
just one of the dudes he disrespected another guy's girlfriend and they just started fighting and it was scary man the guy kicked him in the face and it was just gnarly like i saw yeah i saw this guy ryan scared for the very first time and yeah it it was uh it was something to see (laughs) god damn definitely so what do you think about the resurgence of emb and the kids skating there again I think it's beautiful. I can't believe the cops aren't there right now <laughs> because uh, when everything ended, they, they would surround us and, you know, make sure that we did not come back. And now that mm-hmm. time passed, people are skating there again. They, you know, they redesigned DMB parts of it. And uh, it stokes me out to see that. You know, I, I love uh, skating on the bricks. It brings back a lot of memories. And uh, yeah, definitely got to get a clip there. That would be so sick. Carl 2020 back at EMB. <laughs> there we go. You know? as an old man (laughs) (laughs) so you're one of the original guys who mastered back breaking tricks like the (laughs) nolly 180 switch front nose grind half cab like the hard way switch back 180 nose grind reverts the hard way what inspired you to break your back so much throughout your career that's a good question to me (laughs) those aren't like back breaking tricks i honestly like my bag of tricks has always been limited so I, I've been um, aware of, like, working with what I got. So it, with that being said, like, you know, all those tricks that turn out and, you know, the, the w- weird twisty tricks, that's me working with what I have. And uh, I've, never done, I've never done a flip out of any trick in my life, in my career. Whoa. I've only done flip in, but I've done a lot of spins out. <laughs> so I guess that, that's, uh, that's what makes me unique because I don't... I don't follow what everybody else is doing because i tried that early on and i realized like my ability is you know not there for like you know to do the kick flip back tail big spin out i wish i can do that instead mm-hmm. I, I learned to switch flip back tail and my body that's, that's what works best for me so just focusing on my strengths instead of my weaknesses and uh that created like you know some mbds because i always like to think outside of the box and uh approach skateboarding in a in a unique way so if you had to do one flip out with uh, your life on the line, which one would it be? <laughs> oh, bro, it would have to be back tail, kick about to straight. Oh, that's sick as hell. That's the one. That's a dope one, man. That's the one right there. <laughs> so what do you think of the new age backbreaking god Mark Suchu doing nolly back heel, nose grind revert, Sheesh. and a million other insane ones? I mean... Mark, man, that's my homie. So I spoke to him every step of the way. Every time he tried it, we, we talked about it. He really worked hard for that trick, man. He would mm-hmm. go back to, I think it was in Italy, some spot. He'd go back there, try to get this line. And, you know, I think it took like five times. So my man is dedicated. And he's on a whole nother level. His feet move so fast. He is very unpredictable. And it's kind of overwhelming because, like, He's so good, and he puts out so much footage, and it's like, wow, Mark Sushi, fuck! I gotta be, I gotta be, I gotta be ready to watch one of his parts because it's gonna be an, an emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm, for sure, <laughs> especially for a guy like myself, I get, I'm really affected by skating, and I think that's what kind of kept me around for so long. I, I appreciate seeing the, the new guys come out. I appreciate like the growth of what we love. You know, I, I never hate on like you know new newness and you know the new generation like some older pros might <laughs> yeah no doubt so probably the trick you might be known most for was the uh, front side nose pretzel 270 down hubba hideout can you take us behind the scenes on that one 
So yeah, the front nose 270. That's the one, man. I, I wasn't even too hyped on that when I landed it. What? So so uh, that earlier that day, or actually earlier the week prior to me doing it on Hubba, I was sitting down with, with Stevie Williams at Pier 7. And, you know, we just finished rolling dice, talking about tricks. And he mentioned he wants to do a switchback tail 270 out the hard way. And I was like, right. damn, that's so sick. I was like, man. <laughs> and, and then, look, he had the ability to do it. He did it years later, like maybe like eight years later, finally. DC but then, video. Yeah, exactly. And But the thing, that's me working with my strengths. I was like, man, maybe I, I can do switchback tails really good, but I, I don't know if I can spin out. So I thought about it, and I'm like, man, I love what I love what his idea. So I simplified it and made, just did the front nose 270. So I learned it like a few days later at, at Pier 7, and I was like, man, I want to take this down Hubba right now. Ooh, wow. So then I went there with like Ty Evans and um, and Anthony Van England one night, and we I tried to get it for uh, for the Transworld video. Anthony was doing the switch front crook, and I was doing that. We had the lights, the generator. It was a. It was definitely a production, and uh, I forgot what video, which video it was. Maybe Sight Unseen or um, one of those amazing Transworld videos. I, I had a fall of me. I like, you know, they put the fall in there, and it, I just collapsed like a like a, a wet cat. It was. <laughs> not, it, it was not. It was not a pretty fall. But then um, I, I went back. You know, I learned the trick better than I, I got it. But the thing is, when I did it. I dropped out and I didn't pop out and I really wanted to pop out. And so I was kind of hot and uh and we had a sequence and we I I did not want to use the sequence cuz I didn't pop out correctly. And now I w- I wish I still had that that sequence. Can't find it anymore. Damn, man. That I mean was perfection. Everyone's their own worst critic, but to yeah. the rest oh. of the skate world, everyone loved that clip. <laughs> oh yeah. That, that was Especially so me. Crazy. Especially <laughs> me, bro. <laughs> yeah. You wrote for Expedition 1 for a while, put out a classic part in the Alone video. At what point did you decide to branch off and do Organica? Thank you. That, that was one of my favorite parts. Um, that was the only part that I actually actually like edited with the, 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 the videographer, Trevor Prescott, rest in peace. And he and I worked together so well. He was so patient. He had great ideas. He had, you know, we, he and I just meshed together really well. And... Uh, yeah, so that's my favorite part of all time. And I think it's uh, the least watched part. So that video part... Uh, not from us. Yeah, we love that oh, video. We love that video growing up. I feel that. Thank so you, guys. Good. Hell yeah. Classic. So the way Organica came about, it was... Um, so I got an offer, like, earlier that year, I got an offer from World Industries to start a... To, to get on there, they offered me a lot of money and, like, like four grand a month and a car payment. Damn. And they came up like for a BMW. They're trying to really like Ooh. get me on the team. Damn! <laughs> but I already, I, I already had ridden for them when I was a kid. So, and at this point, it was uh, the Wet Willy World Industries. So it wasn't yeah. the Cool World Industries. And um, so I, I got the contract and I used it as leverage. I showed my 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 boss at the time, Troy Morgan. And so he looked at it. He's like, you know what? I was like, I'm not going to do it, but this is what they offered me. He's, and I was only getting like a thousand bucks at a t- at the time, a month, which was a lot of money, you know, back then mm-hmm. for sure for skateboarding. And so um, he's like, you know, Carl, I appreciate your loyalty. This is a very crucial time. Like, and if if you left, it, it would have been detrimental to the company. So he um, he's like, let's work on a company together, and that's how Organica came out came about. Damn, sick! All thanks to Wet Willie. 
All thanks to Wet Willie, dog. <laughs> you know, and and Troy Morgan, solid individual dude. He's like he's like um you know he's like a big brother to me still. He definitely looked out for me hard. I know he got a lot of he gets a lot of flack in the industry, but people are starting to realize like how much he actually did for skateboarding and does. Mm-hmm. And even though things ended with Organica and I was a little bitter, but I I soon realized like man, my man he he held it down. He really like taught me a lot and uh so I ha- I have no malice, no no bad feelings toward my man Troy Morgan. Hell yeah. So like you said, Organica had a great run over a decade of putting out quality content and inspiring skaters around the world. Why did you and KO decide to shut it down? It got to a point where, um, you know, we had decent sales, but it was uh, we were robbing Peter to pay Paul. So DGK was the mothership for KO. They brought in so much money. Expedition Organica, we were, we were barely getting by. We were, the product was selling, but it wasn't like the way Expedition or DGK was. So it got to a certain point where our overhead was more than what we were bringing in. And um, we, just, we were paying our guys really well. And, um, you know, that was part of what KO did. We, all, they, we always paid people correctly. And um, it got to a certain point to where the KO was suffering because of that. And so we, I made the decision to relieve KO of uh, the burden of Organica. And okay. it, it, was, it was tough for, like, Troy didn't want to do it. Nobody wanted to do it. But I was like, man, it, it's just time, you know? So it was a, it was a tough call, but I'm glad, I'm glad we did it because Troy was suffering. You know, the company was suffering. And uh, it relieved a lot, a lot of stress. A lot, uh, re- relieved a lot of pressure off of, off of them. Right. So, so DGK was paying for, like, K- uh, Organica and Expedition salaries kind of thing? Not entirely, but they definitely, um, yeah, we there was a Rob, a Rob Peter to pay Paul situation sometimes. Right. Not every, not every month, but you know, I mean, when your overhead's like 40 grand a month and salaries, you know, you gotta, and if you're not making that much money, it has to come from somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Should have cut Rick Ross's shit before Organica. <laughs> <laughs> you telling me, bro, you feel me? <laughs> <laughs> you feel yeah. me? DGK was at the like absolute top of the game at that point. Absolutely, DGK was killing it. I don't, yeah, I don't know how they grew so so fast. It was it was amazing because Organica came came about before DGK, and I guess Stevie he just knew he knew what to do. He has he has a lot of appeal, and he really got kids in the hood to like on skateboards, which is a blessing. But there's one thing I didn't like about that. I would, I would tell Stevie, like, skateboarding saved our lives. We became a part of skateboard, the skateboard culture, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, you learned how to leave the block mentality. Mm-hmm. And even though Stevie is a, is a real hood cat, that dude, Stevie is... I went to where he's from in Philly, bro. That is no joke. And <laughs> yeah. Stevie, man, he's, a, he's an, an amazing human, too. Amazing human, man. He really came from the mud and made something special out of himself. So being the entrepreneur that you are, it wasn't long before you decided to team up with your longtime homie, Nick Lockman, to bring the people Max Allure Skateboards. Tell us a bit about what inspired that and what you guys are up to these days. Well, thank you. So Nick Lockman was, um, it's funny because he got me into skating, right? And um, we were best friends. I met him when he was eight. I was 11. And then, uh, you know, he ended up working in the industry. He was the brand manager at DGK for like... 15 years something like that 
So when he left, and I wasn't at Kale any longer, we decided to team up and create something that's not just focused on profits, but focused on like individuality so we our riders we let them do what they want to do you know we don't force them to wear the shirts we don't force them to um you know to do anything like certain tricks we want them to express themselves freely and in turn they they support the brand even more because we don't put that pressure on them so what we got going now we have a we have a video coming out pretty soon in march nice can't wait oh man and um so the premiere date is march 16th we got it we got a, an amazing venue right across from soma and uh yeah i can't wait for the world to see what we've been working on are we gonna get it on thrasher or how are we gonna see it if we're not in town it'll it'll be on thrasher after awesome. the premiere yeah and we're, we're we're gonna be um turning a couple people pro at Ooh. after the the video shows so been working on the the surprise let's go so super excited about that that'll be some people's favorite skate moments right there man hell to the yes that is (laughs) monumental man i mean we we've waited you know two and a half years to turn somebody pro and uh we could have done it right out right out the gate but i I wanted to you know get people used to the brand and you know get some respect before we we did that for one of our favorite times of the episode giving back to the people courtesy of chpo brand is boxes time baby you trying to get an iced out wrist or some hater blockers <laughs> yo this week we got a little quiz for y'all we want to know the name of the fifth steepest hill in america that legendary chpo rider don the nuge newen bombs Off to the races, people. CHPO brand, all day. If there was a nicest skater award, you'd probably win it every year. When so many of us (laughs) skaters turn into jaded haters like myself, how do you stay? (laughs) How do you stay being the most positive dude in the room? That is so sick. Um. (laughs) So you're a jaded hater. (laughs) I mean, I feel like most of us are after a certain point, but not you. <laughs> are you on Slap? I, I don't post, but I read. I read for sure. Okay, tight. Um, I had my moments, <laughs> you know, <laughs> of being a little jaded. I, and uh, one thing I hate being is complacent. I had those moments too. But um, what keeps me happy and positive? Shit, I'm, I'm like a serial optimist, man. I, I can't help it. It's like a, it's like a disease. A good disease. <laughs> yeah, it's the best, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, but it gets in the way sometimes, you know, because I'm just too optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a, I got a funny story actually, uh, of you living up to being the nicest dude. So, when I was finishing high school, a bunch of my friends had gone down to San Francisco the year before, and uh, they all met you randomly at Third and Army here and there. Like they all stayed at the Green Tortoise, and they're like, "Yo." oh my god watson's like the nicest dude i don't have a specific story really for you but just just of meeting you and they're like yo carl watson's the nicest dude actually you might know our friend duncan mcnaughton 
that's so random because I remember meeting guys from Canada who stayed at the Green, the Green Tortoise on Broadway because that was so rare for people from, not from Europe to stay there. Oh, really? I never, I've never met skaters from, from Canada that stayed there. Yeah, a few of them went and then like everyone came back and was like just telling, like friends from different cities here too were just like, yo, like guys from Montreal, guys from here, guys from London uh, all started going. And then I finally finished high school and had heard how nice you were to like strangers and then i went down with my friend duncan <laughs> that's awesome and i couldn't even skate i was just sitting on a on a ledge and uh you pulled up one morning and just came right up to me and you're so nice you're like ah, how's it going and i was like holy fuck it's carl watson <laughs> <laughs> wait what, what spot was that at? this was at third and army that's amazing so the thing is bro was skateboarders are my family you know i mean we're, we're all one race the human race the whole you know all life is we're all related we're all connected but when you're a skateboarder like i've i always have some kind of, i always, i feel the connection so i feel compelled to like come up to fellow skaters and introduce myself it, it like breaks the ice you know when i get to a spot and i if i don't say hi to the skaters it's like weird to me <laughs> even till this day bro like i got i gotta be that dude that's like hey what's up guys uh no but it's awesome like as a kid who was a fan of yours and like all my friends were who met you before me it's just so crazy when the when the pro skater that you look up to takes the initiative and comes to say hi it's just like an everlasting memory for, that's for dope. me that's and dope. I'm sure for it for everyone that you meet and introduce yourself to i appreciate that i appreciate that the thing is you know it's funny you said the whole pro skater thing i never put myself on a pedestal bro like literally a skate where i'm a skater you're a skater we're, we're we're on the same level you know that's one thing that's kept me around so long too i never like had a an an ego about having my name on a board like i didn't see myself as being above any other skater and that and that's what ma enabled me to be able to like talk to in, to people that are just learning how to skate or you know i can see somebody trying to push their limits a little bit even though they're not at my level they're trying like a 5-0 a grind but you know after just learning 50-50s and i see them pushing their yeah, limits mm -hmm. it stokes me out oh, for sure and I'm, I'm, I'm able to show love to them you know even though they're not that good but i see them trying to progress oh, for sure well yeah that's the thing like i mean we're a little older now so it's like if we meet a pro skater now we're not like oh my god but when you're a kid oh, oh it's crazy when you're no. a kid it's like it's so mind-blowing and then especially to have you initiate the conversation you're just like i'm just sitting there like holy shit carl watson's talking to me <laughs> i appreciate that you know it's funny I, I can relate to that especially like the people that you look up to when you're younger it stay if, if they don't ruin it for you it stays <laughs> forever indefinitely yeah. yeah. like like for example tommy guerrero uh jim thebow like dudes like that ray barbie bro when i see tommy I still fan out on the guy, and he's like, "Dude, Carl, you know me." <laughs> like, like I, I fucking, I can't help it. Sometime, you know. And it's funny because I lived in his apartment right after him when I was younger. So he lived in this apartment on Divisadero and Hate, and my mother and I we moved into this apartment and had a really cool backyard with like concrete. That's where I learned how to do my kickflip. I spent many hours there practicing tricks. I would learn tricks there and bring it to EMB, and. Uh, I would get packages with his name on it there so and it, it was like dude it was it was monumental bro and like i don't know if you know about my, um search for animal chin the, the movie the video yeah so in in that video there was this one uh this one drum that had like a it was on a stick and it had strings on either side and you go like that and it, and it you know the the, the 
there's like little balls and it hits the drum and it like that Mm -hmm. whatever (laughs) and uh that was um in my i was the only thing in the apartment and it was in my room hanging on the back of the wall with a a blue thrasher sticker and I, i remember when we first looked at the apartment i went in that room and i had a moment of silence to myself and i thought to myself one day i'm gonna i felt that I had like a premonition that one day I'm going to be a pro skater. Damn. And at that point, bro, I sucked <laughs> miserably. I was not, you know, my, I just had the worst style. I was, you know, just not good. <laughs> but, you know, being at that apartment and being in that area really helped my skating a lot because uh, I was able to skate by myself and learn tricks. And, uh, you know, that, that really made a difference, not being, you know, not being in front of people and being embarrassed and, really like honing in my skill on my own that was uh you know being a, the only child and skateboarding was my, like my sibling it really worked out real good for me that's amazing man so being as kind and giving as you are what's it like for you when you get a sponsor me or someone who wants to get hooked up but you have to say no <laughs> man <laughs> how do you deal with that man <laughs> I, i've been saying a low i've been saying no a lot no. lately bro it's <laughs> The the thing is nowadays, like we're bombarded with skateboarding. There's so many amazing talents out mm-hmm. there, and and like I have to tell one one thing to the kids: when you approach somebody to get sponsored, and when you say, "This is the 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 red flag, man," for me, when a kid says, "I have street footage," I'm like, or if I ask somebody for footage and they're they're like Parker Street, oh. and I'm like, "Bro, <laughs> footage is footage is only street. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I I can see your park footage on your Instagram. I don't care about your." your park footage i I want footage like actual tricks (laughs) shit that you worked hard to get you know and so that's like it's just different nowadays man like we're kind of um desensitized a little bit because of social media so i i I seek out people on social media but they're the guys that don't seek attention you know the guys that are really out there skating focusing all their energy on skating not like trying to get sponsored and I see that, and I'm like, all right, I fuck with this guy. He has something special about him. I'm going to reach out to him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But saying no, de- definitely say no a lot these days. And well, uh, I'm sure I'm sure you hate to do it, and it hurts every time, but it's got to be done. Can't be sponsoring all these Instagram kids. <laughs> or sponsoring every- There's just too many skaters now, man. And <laughs> everyone's good. Yeah. It's impossible to choose. Not. Yeah, and it, it doesn't hurt, though, honestly. It's it's just part of, like, what I have to do, True. you know? Damn, you're cutthroat these he days. He does it with a smile on his face, though. <laughs> constructive, constructive criticism, you yeah. know? Like, hey, maybe, you know, get better. Like, you know, like... <laughs> no, no, not like that, not like that. Like, practice more, practice more, you know? Yeah. Skate more, hit me up in two years. When, when, when uh, you, that's, you hit them with the classic. Sorry, uh... Hit me up in two years. The budget's a little tied up right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, you know, because most of the kids that reach out to me aren't even even ready to be sponsored, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. They, they're right. in their friend group. They may be the best in their friend group or at their park, but I, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for uniqueness. For sure. Well, like our boy John Cause who connected us. Ooh, bro, that dude. I found him. <laughs> on, I saw him on Instagram. I'm like, man, this dude's trick selection, everything about him. You know, he's a, he's a little nutty when I met him. <laughs> In, 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 in a good way in a yeah, good way is. and I, I, I like that I like that about him you know uh, 
I love you, John. I love you, you Coach. You ain't lying. You ain't yeah. lying. That's that's he, our boy, John. He has exceptional talent, though, man. <laughs> he yeah. really does. He really does. So back to you. You're one of the original Switchfront Feeble, Switchback Smith guys that we saw growing up. Okay, um, my man. Now you're speaking my language. <laughs> your Switchback Smith back when 80 and alone always felt way ahead of its time. Dude. Where'd you get the inspiration to start doing those tricks? Thank you. I'm glad you pointed that out because... Um, yeah, man, Switchback Smith, Switchfront Feebles. Like, I was, like, the first to do it, whatever. But I always wanted to, like, be creative, but subtly creative, not go too far and do, like, a fucking Benihana nose grind or something <laughs> like that, you know? So, you know, finding yeah. the, the... Like, for example, um, not to go off track, but, you know, Dante Hill? Dante, Dante Hill. Oh, Dante, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. tall, dark-skinned brother? Yeah, so yeah, he, yeah. Uh, he put up a trick recently on a flat bar, bro. It blew my mind. It was a, so he's approaching the flat bar fakie, fakie back nose grind, transfer. So oh, like, okay, like, okay. Shh. and then, you know, I'm like, what? I, it's like a, a, a crooked grind transfer, but in reverse pretty much. Mm. And I've, I have never seen anybody do that. The su- it was a subtle, a subtle uh, change or subtle um, improvement. Oh, to, like switch back five oh. Yeah, switch, like, right, yeah, right, like right, right, fa- right. fakie. Back fakey alley to switch back five oh then transfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you know, super unique. Yeah. So I have always been about subtle differences and you know, I never want to go too far. So the switchback Smith was um taking it taking it, you know, the switchback fifty to a different level. And the switch mm-hmm. front feeble was taking the, the switch front board and switch fifty to a different level to me. You know? And another one is the Nolly front feeble. I, I first did that and the Nolly front board, those are another two others that I created. But I first did those in like 1999, just thinking outside of the box. And it was so easy to be creative and do stuff that other people weren't doing at the time because yeah. people, and there were people that were thinking outside of the box, but they're, you know, I, I wanted to do the subtle things that were like t- still tasteful yet different. Switch front feeble and switch back smith's got to be two of the best trick selection tricks in the game. Yeah. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate that. Especially Appreciate on that. rails. I mean, switch back smiths on ledges are dope as hell, too. Yeah, but I, I never did a switchback Smith on a rail. That's the switch from people I have. I just learned that one last summer, man. So, After yeah, like yeah, ten years of trying, I made you film it. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> down, down down a rail? Uh, just a on a bar. flat bar. But nice, dude. I've been sticking on that one for years, and then Wade Wade got me to switch to Thunder Trucks, and I learned it the day they were brand new. You know, when they're extra icy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, shouts to so, you for the inspiration. What was the technique he told you that? What what helped you? That the shoulders? Did he? Because I can explain that trick. Like <laughs> he was just like, saying to lean back all the way, take all my weight off my front foot. I think was what his trick tip was. That's that's great advice. Yeah, that's yeah. for me. Like if I'm gonna teach somebody that trick, they have to know how to do switchback fifties first. And the the one technique that works every time is to ollie above the ledge and drop down into this this switchback smith do a lazy switchback 50 that's what i think about in my head but i gotta i gotta ollie above the ledge then come down right no no i feel you on that i thought you were talking about switch front feebles oh switch front feebles I've yeah switchback smiths on ledges for time b oh here we come go. on now here we go <laughs> okay switch front feeble that's a different one that's a to me that's a, a combination of the switch front feet front 50 and the switch front board so i yeah. think right when i approach it i think switch front 50 then as i'm ollieing up i switch my thinking to switch front front board and it automatically goes into switch front feeble i mean that's initially that's how i learned it but now i just i just my body just knows what to do that's a sick yeah. way to think of it 
Thank yeah, you, man. Donald, you got to get on the. You got to join. I've us, never man. done either of those tricks. Really? Oh, even bro, you got ledge? that. Switch you got that. Smith, what? Even on a ledge. I mean, you never switch backsmith the ledge. I no, feel like you got neither. that. Nope. I uh, work with my strengths. Hey, yeah, like, uh, that's you know what, what I'm saying. They they ain't my strengths. <laughs> I feel you on that. <laughs> so we read online that back in '92, your part for Love Child got cut, and part of the reason was that you didn't bend your knees enough. How much of a bummer was that at the time? So the whole bending knees thing, that came from uh, Think Skateboards. That was my buddy uh, Keith Cochran, the owner of Think at the time, told me that. It's like, Carl, you need to bend your knees more. And that was the best advice anybody's ever given me. It, it was like it hurt, but it was, it was necessary for me to hear. But for Love Child, I don't know if it was because of that. I think it, it was because of, I guess my style wasn't up to par. I feel like my tricks were were good enough to be in the be in the video. I mean, I was getting paid at the time from them. You know, at 14 years old, getting paid. And I don't know why they, they didn't... I still don't know why they didn't put me in there. <laughs> man, you were doing switch inward heel front five O's on curbs, man. You could have been in the video. Yeah, you telling me. And, you know, that <laughs> at, the t- at, at the time, that wasn't a curb. That was a ledge. <laughs> yeah. yeah but but um, I also did the switchback tail transfer. On the uh, yeah, Santa Monica double double sided curbs, yeah, I don't I don't know why I think it was um, it's funny because Rodney man, me and Rodney had a very interesting relationship. Like I would stay at his house, just he and I. We would talk about tricks. I was intrigued by him. We were homies, and uh, you know, like it's kind of a funny story. Like one day we were all skating together, and I was trying to switch inward hill to regular tail slide, and I'm like, Yo, Rodney, what do you think of that? And he was like, uh, I don't, no, nah, it doesn't look good. And I was like, oh, off that trick. I'd never <laughs> tried it again. Then a couple a couple years later, he did that same trick in one of his parts. <laughs> oh. I'm like, dang, Rodney, bro. And like, yeah, I don't know. I, I still, I love him no matter what, but it was, uh, I think there must have been something there. I, I'm pretty sure he made the call to not put me in the video. Jeez. Damn, Rodney. I know. Come on, legend. You feel me? Sheesh. <laughs> Shitty dirty, man. Hey, but you know a trick I want to see? Back to a, upon a positive note. Switch from where hill to switch 5-0, switch back 180 out. Oh. That would be crazy. Dude. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I see Lucas Lucas Puig pulling that off. We need Wade, Wade, Lucas, or our coast to do that one. Yo, for me personally... I feel like for the average skater who like was around when the tr- when your front nose 270 came out, that was probably one of your most memorable tricks. But for me, your ad, your ninja bearings ad, and the switch inward heel 5-0 at 30 oh, yeah. on me. That I swear that ad was in every video magazine for like five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know I messed with Ninja for that one. They they really put me on the map with that trick. <laughs> for real, for real. Hey, another another trick I want to see too. Is a switch inward hill, or no switch varial hill to switch front crook? Whoa. Damn, that'd be crazy. That's Need- Lucas Puig right there, or Shane yeah. O'Neill. Yeah, Shane could do either of those as well. Yeah, Shane can definitely do that. But you know, Canada got some rippers, bro. We got some. Wade could do it probably. I want to see a Canadian skater do it because you guys got something something in the water up there, man. Some of the best skaters ever are from are from there. So yeah, Bobby could maybe do that, or Will. Bobby, whew, Bobby yeah. the Kaiser is the he's a he's a G. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, anytime he puts something out, you know it's gonna be good. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, him, him, and John remind me of remind me of each other. They're they're skate styles. <laughs> like he, I don't know Bob, Bob, Bobby DeKaiser is like the epitome of like of what I like in a skater. 
For sure. That's what's yeah, he's up. like a skater, skater, man. All good trick selection. Everything's done proper. It's yep. what you want to watch, you know? Exactly. He doesn't over, like, glorify himself. He's just yeah, like... He's not posting on Instagram the best. every day. Yeah. You know? And I mess with that. I mess with that. He's not sending you park footage. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. Not Bobby. Hey, guys. Hey, kids out there. Take notes. Bobby yeah. DeKaiser. <laughs> so, you probably don't know this, but a few years ago, we affectionately put you in the Flying Noodle Gang which is basically the guys that seem like they do yoga right before they skate <laughs> and are super limber on the board. I did and not know that. <laughs> the original three we uh, selected was uh, you, Caswell Berry, and Darrell Stanton. I appreciate that. I, I see I see why you picked Darrell. Yeah. He's definitely yes. a flying noodle. That ollie over the front blunt down uh, Clipper. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, yeah. So we were just wondering if uh, – I guess you just said the love child thing wasn't about the knees, but – did that knee comment make you want to change your style drastically and go straight to a yoga studio? How'd you, uh, <laughs> how'd you get the knees so limber after that? It, it made me aware of my lack of bending my legs and which eliminated my ability to pop my, my tricks. So once I, I really focused on like, okay, my technique, bending my, my legs was beneficial to me. And so it, it made my style better. It made my, my skating better. And it, it just, uh, yeah, I don't understand how I could do some uh, do a trick over some stairs and land straight legged. That was super ugly and <laughs> and, and actually very dangerous. Yeah, so, painful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. quite painful. <laughs> <laughs> so you wrote a kids' book called "My First Skateboard." We haven't had the pleasure of reading it yet, but tell us what it's about and what inspired you to write it. So my first skateboard was inspired by the fact that skateboarding is going going into the Olympics. And I, I really didn't want, I, I wanted the key attributes that skateboarding offered me and so many of my friends to stay, to stick around and be a part of skate culture indefinitely. So I, I thought about it. I was like, man, what's the best way to, to program the future skaters to understand that, you know, you gain what you gain from skateboarding. So I, I wrote down the key attributes that I gained from skateboarding. And those were the fact that skateboarding breaks down barriers such as age race gender language and it, it you know it creates a, fa a family you know outside of your own family so I, I wrote those down and it was so easy to write the book after that because and i point out all of those things within the the very short story and uh that i mean that was the catalyst for it i was like i really want these these attributes to to stick in skating and bring us all together you know i don't, I don't want it all always to be about this nation against that nation it's uh you know what skateboarding brought me is you know it really introduced me to the, the world at large you know it, it got me out of that the, um the, the block mentality then the city mentality and it created like a global uh community of skateboarders and i, I really want that to stick that's beautiful man love that yeah where Thank do we you. get it how do we get one yo super distribution they got they got they have some more i think okay canada Good to know, yo. Order your copies now, people. And they're they're the they're so good to work with. I I love those dudes over there. Yeah, Thank you, Supra. That's our homies. Yeah, yeah, they're they're fucking awesome. Shout out, Mikey, dog. Yeah, Mikey. <laughs> Shout out, Zank. These days, you're working with Adidas. What's your involvement with the brand? So I work with um, sports marketing at Adidas. I uh, I'm able to like you know find new individuals that 
have talent and, uh, you know, send them shoes, send them on trips and, you know, just pretty much support people. And uh, I kind of wear a few different hats there, but that's like my main thing. So what's a day in the life of Carl Watson like in 2020? <sighs> Busy? Work, man. Too much work. So I start my day off. I usually do Adidas work first, get that out the way. Then I do Maxilor work. I go to my office. I have a warehouse near near my house. I do my Maxilor work. Then I do my first skateboard work, which is usually like send, like packing orders and sending out books. And um, then back to Adidas. Then kids. Then <laughs> then my mom and then my dad and whatever they need. So pretty much my day is like geared around sacrificing myself. You still got some time to get some uh, switchback Smiths in or what? Yeah, you know, lately I haven't been skating because I, maybe a couple months ago, I I got hurt when I was with my son skating at the Create store. I think I like broke my pelvis, dude. The back of my pelvis. Yeah, I felt really hard, but it's it's healing up now. I skated like a week ago and uh, I'm just going to give myself a little bit more time to heal, but definitely itching to get on the freaking board. I, I need that. Like that's... That's like my, my air. So I'm going to give myself a few more days. And uh, I think, yeah, maybe uh, after this weekend, I'll, I'll get back on and go film again. Nice. I hope you heal up good, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. So what's next for Carl Watson? What's next? Um, so the book got picked up to be a cartoon series. So working no on, on that right now. Um, so maybe in a couple of years, you guys will you know, see something come to life. I don't know. There's opportunities, man. Um, as Jim Thibault told me, <laughs> Jim gave me the best advice ever. He said, Carl, you need to learn how to say no sometimes. And I'm like, damn, <laughs> okay. I, I had to think about that. And I'm like, all right, I need, I need to say no to opportunities that come my way because not everything is a, is a good opportunity. For example, I got sponsored by Black & Decker recently. And... Uh, that was an amazing situation. You know, they they wanted to sponsor one of the characters in the show. They, you know, they were they came out here from London. They filmed a little piece on me. I thought things were going good, but then they did the corporation that did the whole, the old classic thing. They're like, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna sponsor um athletes anymore. I'm like, but wait, we just I just I really fucked with you guys. <laughs> so so. Just to younger skaters out there, just know that a lot of you might get, you know, if you have the right, the right appeal, people are going to approach you from outside of skateboarding. But be very weary and make sure you get like a like at least a two year contract. So, you know, your efforts are efforts are going to be like wasted. Mm-hmm. So make, make sure make sure you're secure before you say yes to these people trying to get into skateboarding, because you don't want to put your effort into a company and then have them, you know, pull the plug. No doubt. Even though we still have we still have a relationship going on, they I might work. They might still sponsor the the cartoon character, but you know, no more no more money from them. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Well, that's good advice for the youth, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yes, got to got to be transparent out here, you know. No doubt. Okay, so so what's next for Carl Watson? No, oh, we just did that. You did that, and we did. I thought that was the day in the life. No, we did both. Huh. What's next was. Uh, I think what's oh, next? Oh, There's more. The what's cartoon. next? There's so much more. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Keep it coming. Keep nah, it coming. Nah, go, nah, go ahead. Next question. <laughs> <laughs>
Yo, 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 it's Rapid Fire with the Ghost, and this week, it's an honor to be brought to you by Classic Grip Tape, the world's best grip, you heard? Keep skating, kids. All right, favorite skater? Shane O'Neill. Favorite video? Sight Unseen. Favorite video part? I would have to say the old video part of Tommy Guerrero skating down. It was a pow video, him skating down the streets of San Francisco and dipping in and out of the little curb cuts. That was He was the very first pro street skater. Uh, it really inspired me. Favorite style? DeAndre Thapania, Little Dre. Sick, sick. Which skater had the biggest influence on the way you skate? Mark Johnson, Gar Mariano, and Brian Lottie. Most talented skateboarder on planet Earth. <laughs> Day one song. Favorite trick? Molly Hill. Hardest trick for you? Switch inward Bixman Hill flip. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those definitely hard for everyone. Most illegal trick? Oh, okay. I have a passion, a passionate hate for this trick. Anything, I, I, I just can't stand it. Any, anytime somebody does a 5-0 and drops it down the nose grind, I don't care if it's a manual to nose manual. You don't ever go from there to there like that. <laughs> that is like, I'm sorry. I just, and I, I really don't like lazy grinds. The, um, the Bennett grind is, is an exception, but I can't stand like any like, you know, ollie up. Then you just have your oh, front oh, truck Willie's? on. Willie yeah, grind, Willie yeah, grind. Yeah. I can't do those, bro. Like if I see one of those in a part in a, it's, or like in a sponsoring tape, it's really hard to look past that. Trust yeah. me, yo, we we rock with you on that. Okay, good. Gnarliest trick you've ever witnessed? Okay, aside from um, fucking costing that back nose blunt, it, it would have to be uh, Tommy Sandoval in China. It was this one gap, bro. He he did a backside flip over it. It was off a roof. He was going as fast as he possibly could. It was over <laughs> some like gap and stairs and. And I just couldn't believe my eyes. Like he witnessing him skate in person was unbelievable. Like like no other. He is the alpha the alpha is alpha male in skateboarding. <laughs> Man, the thing that sucks is that like you said before, like we're so desensitized that like I can't even remember what backside flip you're talking about. Just yeah. because there's so many gnarly hammers that drop yeah. every week. Yeah, right? Every day. Shit. <laughs> but no, he, he's obviously a beast, and at least he leaves that lasting impression. Even though I don't remember the specific trick, you just know he's one of the gnarliest dudes ever. It wasn't like an LRG video, maybe like a tour video or something like that of China. Yeah, I'll go watch that again. Epic. Favorite clip you've ever gotten? You know what? I'm going to have to say the next clip that I get. The next yeah. MBD that I get at age 43, yeah. that's going to be my favorite clip. Hell so. yeah. What's the one trick that got away? fuck i did this one line at third and army it was um it was a it was a nolly back 180 switchback smith uh fakey nose grind revert the nolly in inward hill i filmed it at night with the light and unfortunately the um the videographer the there's a cord connected to the light and between the light and the camera and somehow it switched the camera off and uh so i never really got the got the line wow. i did i did it but it never like nobody ever saw it so that's that, the that's the one thing that got away when it comes really to like away. tricks yeah. that I, I i tried to do back in the day i tried to do the uh, switch front 270 blunt slide fakey man i was man i was determined bro i went there so many times to get that and never did it damn, damn. what's the biggest bunt you've ever witnessed 
definitely at like I can't say one in particular, but at a, a demo or something like that. Got kids, the, you know, the hometown hero always oh. is trying to like <laughs> go in extra hard, so they, you know, often just do too do too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we've definitely witnessed that as well. <laughs> What's the last new trick you learned? The last new trick I learned. That's a good fucking question. It was recently I learned. Um, I, I really learned back threes on flat, and that's, that's a that, that's a trick that I had on you know when I was a kid off of stuff but learning that trick on flat it was a whole different ball game that's awesome still still trying to get those man you got you got to think ollie impossible that's what you got to think ollie impossible then it, it just happens perfect uh, well i gotta get those two uh, then. Can't do those, oh. <laughs> <laughs> dream job after skating living somewhere tropical and uh running a, an airbnb resort nice there you go <laughs> favorite local brand fudge real hell yeah favorite local skater lil dre what's the one sponsor you regret riding for praxis footwear bro (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know what that is but that's probably why praxis that was yeah i I regret that big time (laughs) um favorite teammate ever adelmo jr worst teammate ever much respect to him he taught me a lot, but Henry Henry Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! And and the he was the worst uh, roommate ever too. But I, lo- <laughs> I, I, I love you, Henry. I love you, Henry. And you you know what I'm talking about. Is there a story there? Or- yeah, there's a story. There's there's plenty of stories, but the one that sticks out in my mind is when we uh, he and I went to Europe together in '96, and um, you know we we're in London. You know I was. Uh, uh, not London, we were in uh, Northampton, and uh, everybody was there, you know, Keenan was there, and so one night, we were gambling, and I won I won a lot of money, and uh, so he, for some reason, he thought I was hoarding money, because I won extra money in England, so when we got to Germany, he was mad, because his money had dwindled, and it's, instead of asking me to, like, borrow some money, he um, he got really mad at me, and kicked me out of the hotel, so... I was in Germany, sitting at the bottom of the freaking, you know, in front of the hotel. All these skaters around, and Drake Jones looked out for me and let me stay at his place. Wow. But that was what the hell? It was gnarly because he thought I was still like hoarding money, like from the company, and that wasn't the case. I just won extra money in in England. Damn, Henry, that's harsh. And it, it was pretty brutal. It was pretty brutal. But um, I'll, I'll never forget Drake for that one. He really like, you know, stuck up for me and let me stay at his place. Oh yeah. yeah, you're really a triple OG. You're just out in Europe on skate trips in '96. Yeah, yeah, bro. 90, 90, I went out there in '95 for the first time. That was, it was epic. So sick. Back when those those Europe videos were so fun to watch. Ooh-wee. Skating the contest. That was that was the first street league. You know, in an yeah. arena packed with skaters. Dude, those Germany contests were epic, bro. I've never experienced anything like it. Honestly, it was uh, just so many skaters. It was a uh, we transformed the town into a skate town. It was so sick. Good, good memories, man. Worst company? Any company that's trying to get into skating that doesn't understand the culture, that doesn't understand, like, you know, the essence, that doesn't understand, like, what we're about, you know, just wants to get, come in and take advantage, I don't fuck with those companies. Feel you on that. Worst trend? Worst trend is not thinking for yourself and following others as a skateboarder. That's the worst trend ever. Worst style? 
I just can't, I can't bring myself to say it. <laughs> oh, you're thinking about someone though. He's got an answer. <laughs> I have I have an answer. <laughs> I ha- I have two answers. <laughs> okay, I- I'll play it safe and say Hodge, man. My- oh man, I can't I can't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't do it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I feel like the people knowing your reputation will will be okay with that answer just because. Yeah. You're too nice, and th- and they know it's in there. Just working on, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just can't do it, you know. <laughs> last person you want on the sesh? The last person I want on a sesh is somebody that is not happy with the spot. Somebody that constantly constantly complains about every spot, and then once you go to and once you go to a spot that's like up their alley, they don't even do anything. <laughs> like I can't stand those types of people, man. That are just like they they always see like the bad and and things you know like this cracks here or i mean i understand stuff's not perfect and stuff and things aren't you know we we can complain but when someone's it's constantly complaining about the food about the spot about you know about this about that it's it's a it definitely wears in you and i, I don't want them around sounds like uh you have a few people in mind but as the nicest guy in the industry you get a pass for not naming names everybody knows that thank guy, you though everybody knows that guy you know yeah. you know the food's never right the the temperature's never right the wind's too too mellow or it's too fierce yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's always tough. always an excuse I'll, i that's another thing i can't stand is when people go come on a trip unprepared and they're like i need bear it's like what are you talking about like how do you need anything like, it's all at your house like, well, the, even worse than that, guys, is a guy, a person, a skater that goes on a trip with nothing. Yeah, yeah. you know, and they ha- don't have boxers or something too, or no, no, <laughs> no, no toilet, toiletries, toiletries. Yeah, That's the yeah. one, bro. I'm like, what? How in the hell are you gonna leave your house with no toiletries, yeah. bro? Oh man, <laughs> it makes no sense. All right, y'all. That's gonna wrap up our interview with Carl Watson. Officially confirmed, nicest guy ever in Studio E, man. Oh, no Appreciate doubt. that, guys. Nothing but love, man. I'm, I'm honored to be on your podcast, and I can't wait to hear my funny-ass voice on there. <laughs> Absolute pleasure having you on, and uh, hopefully we get to link up again. I mean, last time was literally, I was 19, what's that? 11 years ago. Yeah. 12, or, maybe. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Don't date, 12, don't date us, man. <laughs> don't date us. <laughs> yeah, well, our paths will cross again. I got to come up there to, for one of those uh, long high contests, far and high, whatever. Or wait, no, the dot, the dime contest. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Ooh, I love, I love that stuff, man. It makes skateboarding fun. I I really like what they, what you guys are doing up there. Oh, I mean, it's not us, but it's our homies in Montreal. But yeah. Oh yeah, I know. know It's not you. We go to them. Yeah, we go to them. We're spectators enjoying it just as much as you will, man. It's a hell of a time. Well, maybe next time you guys can get me a flight up and pay for my hotel, and we're good to go. (laughs) All right. Yeah, we'll talk to the guys. (laughs) I'm kidding, guys. I'm kidding. Hey, it's it's been a pleasure, and I'm going to send this over to you, okay, guys? All right. Thanks, Carl. Welcome back to the Post Office, brought to you by our good friends over at Time Bomb Trading. 
In only a few short years, Nirvana changed the pop culture landscape forever, and Stance is paying tribute to this enduring legacy with the brand's iconic smiley face logo and one of popular culture's most revolutionary albums. Officially licensed by Nirvana themselves, these socks are now available at your local Canadian Stance retail shop or stance.com. All right, ghosts, who we got up first? You've got mail. All right, first up, we got an email from Tyler Sanders. Do you guys ever have disagreements when it comes to choosing a quote to use in the title for each episode? And if so, are there any notable, memorable disagreements? Unfortunately, I don't think there are any notable or memorable disagreements. At first, it used to be a collaborative effort. And over time, it's just become one of Vance One's very many jobs he does behind the scenes. Real shit. I remember like we would all just text the group chat with ideas and mm-hmm. then come to a consensus and now and then Ants would send in a bunch while he was like editing and then now it's just uh it's just Ants one baby. It is what it is every Wednesday. Alright, next up we have an email from David Cooper. Hey Dono and Seifa, I'm curious if you two saw the Sergi Baca OG Ananobi fashion bit that Serge put out on his YouTube. In the video, OG claims that he skates. Can you confirm this? Any Dunbat sightings? I think this has been talked about before on the podcast to some extent, but what other NBA players skate? I've heard Dennis Schroeder, Clay Thompson, Kyrie Irving, and Steve Nash. Is there anyone else you know of? Thanks for the podcast. Keep up the good work. Damn, Clay Thompson? I never heard that. Well, man, he's like good friends with Sheckler. I remember Sheckler posted like them on a private jet before. I'm sure he. I'm sure With he Clay Thompson. Yeah, like they're homie homies. I never heard of that in my life, man. One thing I've been seeing a lot of is a lot of Nigel with Ben Simmons. Oh, really? Yeah, they're like party homies, probably yeah, more that so make, than anything. That makes sense. I, I never really liked Ben Simmons, and <laughs> it makes sense he's out partying with Nigel. Definitely on the PJ. Unfortunately, we talked about this the other day, too. We cannot confirm whether OG skates. He claims he wears his baggy pants when he skates, which is very and 2020 of But him. he said when he's doing tricks, which was a red flag. But maybe he was dumbing it down for Surge. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm doing tricks on my skateboard. Like, no skater really says that. But he was talking to... Uh, surge himself so but that clip was amazing any basketball fans who haven't seen it just type in ibaka and og on youtube and prepare for the ultimate troll job by og that was some top-notch comedy surge does what we do here man art this is (laughs) art at its finest so if you had to choose would you say uh og skates or no i'd say no (laughs) but i did the thing that makes me think maybe he does like push around or something in the summer is that he's like because i skate and then he it was almost like oh shit like i shouldn't have said i shouldn't have said that it's in my contract not to do shit like that and then he's like when i used to skate like he corrects himself (laughs) to kind of like protect himself but schroeder was like skating this past summer like in his instagram story Mm -hmm. so he doesn't give a fuck no he can't care but no we haven't seen him at dunbat we'll keep an eye out though Keep an eye out for Ben Simmons, man. Maybe he'll be at Nigel's private park someday. But what about scarves? Stop, OG. But what about scarves? Just stop. All right, next up, we got a voice note from Ian Twa, Tweezy, a.k.a. my new best friend. 
Let's take a listen. Go listen. Okay, so this question's for Saifa because I know Donald's still out there getting it all the time. But Saifa, in 2020, are we going to see a full street video part from you, my G, or what? Yo, man's want to come out. Yo, it's like that, eh, Tweez? That's your dog, man. You fucking jabroni. <laughs> you trying to come at? Okay, it's like that. Yo, Tweez, have you even dropped a part? Other than some random ass little Vancouver videos. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, man, we got a part in the works. Don't worry about it. But 2020, that's a little too soon for your boy. I need four to seven years to drop a part. Excuse me? <laughs> no, not that long. Yeah, I'm working on it, blood. Fuck sakes. That's all I got to say. I'm going to slap you next time I see you too. But good looks. Shouts to you on the ACL recovery. Shub nose Manny Nolly flip at T-Fox the other day. Made me real happy, man. Keep keep shredding. Love you. All right, next up, we got an email from Kevin Baird. What up, Bunt Gang? I'm out here in Portland, but I was hoping to get a shout out to the skaters up in Fairbanks, Alaska. I spent a couple of years skating up there, and it was the best. They've got some ice cold fucking killers up there in the north. They make the most out of the short summers and lack of spots. Much respect. Hoops question. The Portland Trailblazers are coming up for that eight seed in the playoffs, and Dame is playing better than anyone in the NBA right now. I can see them climbing higher, maybe nabbing a fourth seed, but I don't see them winning a title this year, unfortunately. What sort of acquisitions would they need to make in the offseason to become a real contender, and who do you think would be a good fit with the Blazers? I love seeing Melo on the team, but is he worth holding on to? P.S. I'm looking forward to the Bunt video. Love the podcast. Thanks for everything. Yo, thanks for the email, Kevin. You a G. Shout out to everyone in Alaska. But my man, I think you smoking some sort of rocks if you think the Blazers can get to the four seed. Yeah, it's a little far. I immediately brought up the standings. I don't know if and I don't know if you've checked the standings. They'd have but. to pass the Rockets, which I don't think they're going to be able to do now. And the Thunder and Mavericks are are, are you, they're right there with them. They're fucking like ten games back. Of the fourth seed, the yeah. Fourth seed of the Jazz. There's right a, now they're nine games back. There's like less than thirty games left. I said it would be tough. No, I know. I'm. I'm just. Oh, you're coming at him. I'm coming at me. him, not you. Oh, it's getting defensive. There. No, it. That's a large jump to make. Dame is definitely playing the best basketball in the NBA right now. He's absolutely on an insane heater. I know I have seller's regret on Dame Lillard in one of my fantasy leagues, but when you're in the bottom half, man, it'll make you do crazy things and. That's what I did. Bro, I think the only realistic um, spot for any team in the West to hope for is eighth because there's still a big gap between uh, Dallas and the Grizzlies. Yeah, it's a five that's a five game gap. And the Grizzlies are seven and three in their last ten, so they're hot. The Mavs are five and five, but Luca's coming back Wednesday, I believe. Or today when this comes out. The best you can hope for, realistically, I think, is the eight seed. And you guys look like it's it's definitely possible, but you need the Grizzlies to fall off a bit. And the worst part is, even on Dame's heater, they're still losing a couple games. Not like like seven and three, and he's playing unreal basketball. They could be ten and zero in that last fucking ten. Yeah, real shit. That was a disgraceful call. As far as dream acquisitions, I think at the deadline, if they had done something like the Heat had done and maybe try and get two guys like Crowder and Igudala, that could have been a good fit for them. But in the offseason, I haven't thought that far ahead, man. 
Me neither. I, I feel like there, where there's always a glaring hole, is power forward. And, you know, it's obviously me and Donald have said we're so happy for Melo being back in the league <clears throat> and filling that hole. And, like, they've they've been playing, obviously, better with him. They started the season off Absolutely. terribly. But next year, they're going to have Zach Collins coming back, who I think dusted himself in, like, the first week of yeah. the season. And Nurkic will be back. Yeah. But Zach Collins is, like, their young power forward who showed flashes last year who they were really hoping to lean on more this year. So I don't know. Like a lot of people were saying, Kevin Love, but him, Dame, and CJ, when three of your starters, if they had gotten them, are are bad defensively, you know they can all be respectable, but they're none of them are known for their defense. Like that's just too much for like Whiteside and whoever else is on the court to make up for. So I don't one, know. One player, pick one player to go there. Fuck, just hypothetical because I don't know who's. I, I can't remember. Yeah, just any player. Okay. If, uh, trade or free agency. Trade or free agency. Perfect fit. Maybe if fucking Lamarcus Lamarcus Aldridge went back to Portland. Man, that would be dope. Uh, Covington would have been a dope fit if they could have got him too. True. True. All right. Next up, we got a voice note from Justin David. Let's take a listen. What up, Bunt? Safe Donovan. My question is. What would be your fantasy fantasy league? Ten people you'd want to be in a fantasy league in, and what sport? And how much to buy in? I mean, money aside, it could be anything. Hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, ten thousand. We're talking fantasy fantasy, so let's put it all on the line. Mike Vrabel style, we'll put our dicks on the line. <laughs> let's do 10K, that's how... <laughs> Jalen Rose and LeBron do their fantasy football league. Mm-hmm. So obviously, with that said, football, 100%. Gotta 14 be game season. Let's get to the point, man. Sometimes I feel like hockey and basketball just drags a bit, man. This time of year especially. Yeah. I'm, I'm like done, I'm ready man. for the all-star break. Just kind of you know when take you my like, mind off it. When you're going to bed and you're looking at your ads, you're like, I can't even look at it anymore. Well, that's because you're fucking trash this year. I got two first place teams I'm running with besides the team. In oh, our, true. I, trash I, I, at what? In our league. <laughs> so, Championship hangover. Because I'm paid already off fantasy this year. <laughs> Championship hangover what? All right. Fantasy football, 12 teams. Obviously, if it was realistic, it would be 10 of our loosest friends. But we'll pick people that we think you will know. Some of them you Jalen Rose, easy first pick. Yeah. Our godfather of podcasting always talks about his size stakes league. Yeah, he loves talking about his fantasy team, and Jacoby's always roasting him, saying no one cares, but we actually do care. I love hearing <laughs> I, I want to hear you. Yeah. Bill Simmons. Mm-hmm. Special, special sports mind. Also a big fantasy head. He had Lamar Jackson this year. Ahead of his time. Yeah. Well, you know, I had Lamar Jackson two years ago. Justin <laughs> David, you got a... Mix in some guys you think are going to be in the bottom half of the league, and you sent the email, so we'll, we'll throw you in there. It's always nice to have the Justin David donation. <laughs> Light work robbery. Russ Milligan, so good. Quiet assassin. You all know him. He's uh, really good at fantasy football. Very, very good. Never and talks in the chat, but if you but he's listening. If you say if you address him, he'll answer right away. Yeah. <laughs> Now we'll go with some real sport heads, some guys who run real NFL teams, see what they got. Andy Reid, if he can survive the summer of cheeseburgers. 
Big Red for sure. And then Belichick, because you know he won't be able to draft wide receivers. Yeah, he'll be he'll do something way too tech. He'll be trading for draft picks in a non-keeper league or something. But then he'll like be able to fuck us. So whoever has like uh, some sort of rule violation. What, what's the running back? What's the running back again? Sony Michelle. Yeah, whoever has Sony Michelle, he's just gonna fuck over weekly with his random fullbacks and shit, getting TDs. You know he's picking up James White for sure. <laughs> yeah. Phil uh, Mendelson. Gotta yeah. get the Yellow Jacket boys in there. You can easily influence Phil and basically Safer runs his team for him year after year. So another donation thing. Thanks, Phil. And then we go round it out with three lunatics that will keep uh, emotions high. That's for sure. And it would just feel so good to beat them because they they're the biggest know-it-alls in the world of sports. Tell them all three at once. Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, and especially Max Kellerman's fucking. Dusty ass. Max Kellerman is over the hill, man. All right. That's a perfect fantasy league to us, man. Maybe email us and tell us what you think yours is. That's going to wrap up the post office for this week. Keep getting your emails and voice notes into the bunt live at gmail.com. Welcome back to The Rundown, the skateboard world source for sports. The NBA trade deadline just passed, as we all expected. Fireworks across the league. Our Raptors stood pat. And you can't blame them when you've won 14 in a row going for 15 tonight. Like, what were the Raptors going to do, man? If they were going to make a trade, what would you have liked to see them do? I mean, I love me some Marc Gasol. You know, I've been a fan for a long ass time. He was on my team the first year we did fantasy basketball seven he years ago. He was a ago. stud. You know yeah. what he's missed since being in TL? He doesn't score as many points as he used to, huh? Well, his role's just so different. Yeah. I remember last year in Memphis, it was just throw to like Conley and Gasol, Conley and Gasol yeah. the last few years. Um, and yeah, he came here and, and props to him. He sacrificed a lot offensively, but he's just a smart guy. He's like, Igudala-esque, you know, out mm -hmm. there. But um, maybe flipping is expiring. Like, he's been injured a, a lot. And just, I don't even know exactly what we need. Because Ibaka's been doing a tremendous job. But maybe flip him for another big man. Mm. Younger. I don't know. But I, I'm I'm definitely, I'm I'm happy. You're we, okay standing, yeah, Pat? For sure. Let, let these guys defend the title, you know? Mm -hmm. Give them this year. Even if... We could have made a move. It's like out of respect, you almost want to just be like, yo, run it back, man. The worst thing I ever saw was the Mavs not re-sign Tyson Chandler and basically give up on defending their title before the season even started. Yeah, they made the move a year too early. You got to give them the respect. But the Raptors didn't make any moves, but there were tons of them. Minnesota finally gets their guy deloading. D'Angelo Russell is a Timberwolf. And I've been hearing sports reporters absolutely crucifying this trade by the Warriors, saying it was their first misstep. But if you watch Wiggy in his first game with the Warriors, he didn't look that bad, and the team's only going to get better. And I actually like this move for the Warriors. Yeah, I like the move for both teams. Clearly, Towns and Wiggins was not a recipe for Ws. I mean, that's been proven. I think this is year four for... Uh, towns in the league get him his homie hopefully he's happy and wants to stay and they can win some games although I, I don't think they're going to i don't think they're gonna be close to the playoffs next year if they don't make any they more need moves. to do more yeah yeah because both those guys are below average defenders which is weird because you'd think towns you know he blocks shots and shit but 
I don't know. He's just not like the best positional defender or something. Yeah, block shots doesn't always equate to defense. <laughs> exactly. So whatever. Best of luck to them. But I, I like it for the Warriors. As soon as they signed D'Lo, that was the most confusing move, right? Yeah, well, it's confusing. But I think in their theory, they're just like, if we're going to get the talent, we might as well take the talent. Oh, of course. And flip it for something that we can't. That's why I, sometimes I don't understand why teams in free agency won't just get guys to trade them yeah well sometimes it's hard like you yeah. see like with chris paul like he wasn't supposed to be on the team all year but it's like yo you risked it and took that giant contract yeah wanting to move it but it didn't happen and now ever. now it's it's great like if, if fuck if if houston or if daryl Morey knew chris paul was going to be this good i don't think he'd make that trade for Westbrook, but I've also heard that ownership and Harden forced his hand on that. They had to move on. <clears throat> I think, yeah. But uh, yeah. So back to the Warriors quickly. Wiggins, all he's got to do. Obviously, he makes he makes way more than Harrison Barnes, but that's all he's going to be asked to do next year. He's a more athletic. It's a perfect spot and for him. way more potential than Harrison mm-hmm. Barnes at the three for the Warriors. Um, and like you said, in the league for four years, taking L's with like. A top player in the NBA sometimes you just lose your mojo a bit and what could be more refreshing than going to play with the Splash Brothers man yeah I mean he, he's been in the league for five or six now but yeah um yeah man fucking best of luck to both teams I'm I'm hyped I, I'm not the biggest Wiggins fan but he's Canadian so I always try and like be like keep an eye on him yeah but yeah. I mean this far into his career and he's not really progressing but maybe Hopefully, I don't think anybody on takes. the team was progressing in Real Minnesota. Talk. They needed some sort of revamp. Moving on, we talked about it in the post office a little bit. The Miami Heat. Pat Riley's talking win now. And he goes out and gets Igudala and Jay Crowder. Sometimes I worry about Miami because I, I wish them the best. But they've been known to trade young guys for like vets. Mm-hmm. And Iggy's fucking 36. They gave him There's an, an argument to, to be made about trading Justice Winslow. Obviously, he's been a great talent when he's on the when he's on the floor. But how often is that? Exactly. I think he's played 11 and games. And Iggy this year. looked great. There's a lot of worry about Iggy coming back. hasn't played this year. He's aging, but he looked great in his first game, albeit in a loss. But he looked good, man. <clears throat> Crowder looked amazing. Double double. We're fans of both teams. You know, we like both teams, and uh, hopefully, it's a win-win. I like them. Basically, that's like their draft The Grizzlies pick. couldn't have done any better. Exactly. That's a hell of a that's move. Like they grabbed a 23-year-old guy with infinite potential who hasn't lived up to it, but it's better It's better than Iggy, who's not even 100% another building block. Yeah. And the oddest trade of the day, the Cleveland Cavaliers yeah. acquiring Andre Drummond. Most thought he would go to a contender or a team looking to make moves. Goes to probably the worst team in all of sports. <laughs> the Cleveland Cavaliers, man. Yeah, that was an odd one. Me and you, we lost our shit. We were so hyped. We're savvy fantasy basketball players and had both been stashing Christian Wood. See Woody, baby. He's playing backup center for Drummond. And Dwayne Casey's dusty ass is, was not giving him the minutes he deserved. So we were happy to see Drummond go and them not take a center back. And so far, Wood's been a fucking beast. But anyways, on the Cavs side, goddamn. I mean, the, all the they had to trade was a they bag didn't of have chips. To give up nothing. Yeah, they yeah. gave up a 2023 20, second round pick and two guys that weren't even playing any minutes. So what's to them like John Henson and Brandon? Knight. They'll just take them on, and maybe comes down to a sign and trade. And the Warriors got D'Angelo Russell in a sign and trade. Who knows? You know? Yeah, it, I feel like it made 
as much as like the Pistons are getting roasted, he was gonna opt in to his 28 million for next year, which they just by any means necessary did not want to be on the hook for that. They're trying to rebuild, and that would have fucked them. Um, and no market, man. Yeah, many people went on record saying there was no market for Andre Drummond, which is hard to believe. It's crazy how quick the league has changed, man. Yeah. Like, look at Clint Capella just got fucking tossed aside for, you know, Covington. Which on paper you're like, it's Clint's shocking. got way more value. But, but then you watch that, you watch yeah. the Houston Rockets play without Clint Capella, and you're like, holy fuck, this could work. Yeah. We'll get to that trade though. The Clippers went out and got Marcus Morris. It's funny how the Clippers and Lakers, everything is they're linked together on going after the same guys. And it seems like the Clippers won out this time, getting Marcus Morris. The Lakers did absolutely nothing, man. Yeah, I felt like this helps them. I didn't think it was a game-changing acquisition either way. I feel like it actually would have helped the Lakers more if they had gotten them because they need. I feel like they need the depth more. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> I, I was listening to Bill Simmons and Ryan Russillo talk about it. And because at first I was like, sick, they got Marcus Morris. And then I know Bill Simmons was never a big fan because he's a ball stopper and he was on the Celtics for two years. So that's the only thing where I'm like, I don't know. You've got Paul George, who's a star and can stop the ball and just create for himself. You've got Lou Williams, who's the master of that, does his pick and roll shit with Montrez, but he's also can be a ball stopper. And Kawhi is a pretty big ball stopper, but the best as far as ball stoppers go so then you add another one another ball stopper who's not elite who was putting up big numbers because he was on a horrible team but he's gonna have to take a huge he's gonna have to sacrifice a lot of shots he's coming from the knicks where he could shoot as much as he fucking wanted yeah like think about what did we think of marcus morris before last year like, oh he's a nice piece on a team but then he goes to the knicks and is like leading yeah, he had some good stretches in boston yeah yeah, yeah but I think he had a career high this year, like well, later in his that career. That makes sense, obviously. Yeah, yeah, but it's like now you got to come fit in and fucking swing the damn ball and really fit in too. Like what, you're low on the pecking yeah, order here. What Bill said though is so true. Is like he's the dude that, with three seconds left, he's gonna be like, I should take this shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I hope he fits in. He's another obviously six eight type forward who can guard LeBron in in stretches. Uh, he's going to have a hard-ass time against the Clippers if they match up. Here's a couple quick ones we're going to rifle off. These ones don't need much time to talk about, but just give me a who won, who lost. The 76ers acquire Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson for three second-round picks from the Warriors. That one I can't say. It's a TBD, man. But it's just some draft capital for the Warriors. They're like, yeah. why the hell not? Man? Yeah, I, I, I say the, the Warriors won, like, those guys weren't doing shit on the Warriors. Well, I mean, they were scoring, but like, I don't know how much they're going to impact the Phillies' chances. Yeah, Philly's a mess. Atlanta acquires Dwayne Dedman from the Kings. I like that for Atlanta. He wasn't I, like I don't know what the fuck the, the Hawks Kings get Dedman and two second round picks. Yeah, I like for that. Parker and Len. I don't know what the fuck the Kings were thinking. Well, no one ever knows what the Kings are thinking. The T Wolves also acquire James Johnson, trading away Dang. Uh, moving right I like along. Dang more. I like Dang more, man. There was some optimism. Jordan Bell would have himself a big role on the Rockets for about 30 seconds <laughs> and then got moved for our old boy, Bruno Caboclo, who was five years away from being five years away 15 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> so lots of trades, but it all comes down to the last one. The Rockets getting Rocco and Jordan Bell before he was moved. 
The Hawks getting Clint Capella, the T-Wolves getting Beasley, and the Nuggets getting Green and a couple of other guys. The big movers here, Rocco and Capella. Who wins, man? I'd say that's an easy, huge upgrade for the Hawks. They needed, they wanted that center lob threat. It's going to be an interesting fit next to John Collins. Hopefully, they can work it out. Um, we used to, I mean, we used to love the Hawks. That 61 team, man, Millsap, Horford, T. Oh, they were fun to watch. Corver, like, I, I, I liked, I really liked the Hawks, and I'm not opposed to jumping back on their wagon next year. Absolutely not. Love, that's we, a good young core. Yeah. Having Trey, Collins, and Capella. We've I both, mean, it's not. It's the exact opposite of what the Rockets are trying to build yeah. with an extremely small team. But I think the Rockets, man, everyone was skeptical, trading Capella away, not getting anyone back. But after watching a couple games, I think what, what they're going with is genius, man. Just playing into their strengths. If you want to exploit the matchup against... P.J. Tucker, go right ahead, man. Because on offense, he's going to stand in the corner and he's going to be open for that trade. Well, man, he had the game winner last night against yeah, until. the Jazz until my man Bogey. He said he, as soon as it went in the air, he knew it was in. Poor guy. Yeah, so I don't know. They beat the Lakers, which was shocking, but then they got absolutely waxed by the Suns, and then they lost by one to Utah. So that's a wait and see. I think... I'm going to go on wax and say there's no fucking way they win the championship. No, I don't, I don't think To so. get to the finals in the West, they're going to have to go through it's Gobert at some point. They're going to have to go through AD, Dwight, and JaVale at some point. The only team where I could see it kind of the small ball working is the Clippers because they're kind of small. Zubac usually gets played off the floor anyways. He only plays like 15 minutes a night. Yeah. So Montrez and Tucker, I could see that matchup working and just going mm -hmm. small against small. They're going to have to hope the Clippers take one of the teams out and then, but the way it's lining up they're going to be the ones that have to play the lakers at some point yeah and then if you get to the finals you're you're gonna have to face either the biggest team in philly or philly ain't going to the finals. no yeah i don't know Giannis, Giannis, but then they got the lopez twins fucking wetting up threes you got the fucking raps who are a real threat we got size and you got miami man yeah and let's not sleep on indiana the Sabonis and Miles Turner coming at you. I feel like both conferences have some serious contenders this year for the first time in a while. Six most exciting season in a while, and the trade deadline made it even more exciting. Okay, with all that said, we're gonna wrap up the rundown with the top three. I want your fantasy winner, single player, your biggest team winner, real life, and your biggest team loser in real life. I think the first one is obvious. I've been waiting on this all year. D'Angelo Russell has been freed from the did not plays. <laughs> yeah. Thank the Lord. Um, I think you'll agree that the second biggest winner. Actually, you know what? It oh, might be are such we talking a, C. Woody? It, it might be such a big jump that he might be the biggest winner because D'Lo's killing it when he's playing. No, he's just not plays, playing a lot. Incredible. Yeah. So I'm gonna go biggest winner, Christian Wood, mm -hmm. and. Let's give an honorable mention to Malik Beasley, man. He's at, he's on the Wolves. He's freed from that deep rotation on Denver. Yeah, he's about to be splashing him. threes. He hit seven in his first game. You know I scooped him up right quick. I missed on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I can agree with that. So that's the top three right there. Three in its own. D-loading, C-woody, and Beasley. I got two out of the three. I'm good with that. Hell yeah. What was the next one? Real life winner? Real life winner. I think we're both going with teams that didn't 
add immediate impact, something they're going to use to the future. I'm going to go with the Warriors as being the biggest team winner. They got rid of D'Angelo Russell, who they were saying isn't a great fit. Bring in Wiggins. He's a good fourth option. Get a first-round pick. Get a plethora of second-round picks. They got their own, looking like a top-five pick. The Warriors, man, take one year off, and they're going to be back at it. For a team that had a lot of long playoff runs, it couldn't have worked out better for this dynasty. Man. Yeah, I love it. I feel like everyone sleep like, oh, Russell is more valuable than Wiggins, but don't sleep on that first-round pick. They got the chef and Clay still, man. Yeah, and Draymond's going to not be playing once a week next year. Um, I'm going to go with Atlanta. Obviously, won't have hardly any impact this season, but we feel confident the Hawks will be in the playoffs next season. And that's a nice young core. Capella's still young at 24 mm-hmm. and that somewhere around there. You got John Collins, Trey Young, and Capella. And then all those other don't dudes. Think about they, Red, don't forget about Red they, Velvet, Kevin Werder. Yeah, they got him. I think it's easier for a team to go into the offseason when they know the hole that they have. Not like the the Hawks usually go into the offseason where it's multiple holes. Yeah. They know what they need now. And if Cam Reddish and uh, DeAndre Hunter can like live up to some of that those high picks that they were, next year they're going to be scary. Love the acquisition of Capella. For biggest loser, it's simple. Detroit. You blew it. You got nothing for Drummond. You waited too long. I'm going to say Cleveland blew this one too because what the hell are you going to do with them except for maybe trade him again? But my biggest, biggest loser is the Phoenix Suns, man. And they didn't do anything, but they were thinking about trading Kelly Oubre, man. That's how dumb they are down there in Phoenix. Yeah, but then I've heard that like that might not have been true, but you never know. If they were thinking about moving him, that's a horrible decision. But I'm going to go... Biggest loser, I might just have to go with my Kings, man. This is the second year in a row where I've been like rooting for them. I love watching Buddy Heal, De'Aaron Fox, and they're worse than last year. Yo, they've been derailed by injuries, though. <sighs> I know it's you don't want to put it on that, but Bagley can't get right. Now they lost Holmes after he emerged. It's been a treacherous, treacherous year. Bogdan's been in and out of the lineup. That's, yeah, that's very true, but at the same time, man, I've, I've watched them lose too many close games because of poor execution, and it had nothing to do with injuries. Uh, they're like their own worst enemy. The whole Luke Walton thing's not going great. Um, and I just didn't like... They fucking signed Deadmond, Corey Joseph, and Ariza, and they've traded Ariza and Deadmond already. They're like, <laughs> oh, let's, let's surround our, our young core with savvy veterans, and then gave up real quick they just became disgruntled veterans because that franchise has been shit send two of them packing and bring back jabari parker who's i'm sorry but he ain't ever gonna live up to being the number two pick and uh alex len come on now seems like a good place to wrap this up on a low note man (laughs) let's wrap it up on a high man What's popping tonight? Oh, the raps are going for 15 straight. Let's get it, baby. (laughs) That's a a heater, man. All right, y'all. Catch you next week.